my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is January 23rd through the 29th, and we are in the Gospels. Now, in one of the parts of these chapters, in fact, it's found in two different chapters, we see John the Baptist preaching, and a multitude approaches him to be baptized. Now, as part of this multitude, we find Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, I want to do a quick rundown on what they are just because we'll probably be talking about them a lot this year. The Pharisees were simply a sect within the Jewish faith that took the law of Moses to an extreme. So they, for example, it was the law of Moses says you don't work on Sunday. Well, the Pharisees said you can only take so many steps on Sunday. You can only write so many letters on Sunday. Otherwise, you're going to be working and you're breaking the law of Moses. So the law of Moses is about 613 laws. The Pharisees added like thousands of them, right? So they were adding more onto the gospel that didn't need to be there. The Sadducees were an elite group. They were the wealthy class. They were a wealthy class within the Jewish faith, and they didn't believe in resurrection, and they believed that they had the primary responsibilities for the temple. Now, John addresses the Pharisees and the Sadducees in a verse, and this is Luke chapter 3. It's verses 7 through 8. It says, Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth fruit, fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Now, in order to help you understand this stones and Abraham part, We need to understand a belief that had kind of started to permeate throughout the Jewish culture at this time. And it was that because they were literal descendants, because they were Jewish, because they were born Jewish and they had Jewish blood and they were literal descendants of Abraham, they were the only ones that were going to be saved. That Heavenly Father wasn't going to save anybody else. It was just them. They believed they were only ones going to be saved. And so John is saying, you think just because you're children of Abraham, you're going to be saved like God can take these stones right here and turn them into children of Abraham. (laughs) You need to bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. Now, we know that this is a little erroneous. We think that's like silly, right? That's not consistent with the God that we know. If he were to only save Jewish blood, what he's just going to pick his favorites and send them to other Jews, right? It doesn't make any sense. It's not consistent with who God is. And so we often scoff at the Pharisees and Sadducees or the Jewish culture at that time in general. But are we committing some of the same sins? Now, I'm not talking about creating extra rules like the Pharisees. What I'm talking about specifically is being proud or becoming complacent because we are children of Abraham. So if we want to bring this principle into a modern day perspective. The Pharisees and Sadducees are like, we're descendants of Abraham, so we're good. Like, we're all set up. Well, we believe that when we're baptized, we are adopted into the house of Israel. We are adopted children of Abraham, right? And so it's this idea of baptism. Once we have been baptized, we either can become proud and think we're doing all right, or we can become complacent And kind of just lean on that baptism like we're baptized, so we go to church every Sunday, but not really bringing forth fruits worthy of repentance. 
And what do we really, do we start to believe that we are the only ones that are going to be saved, right? If you had a non-member friend come up to you and say, if I died right now, would I go to your celestial kingdom, to your belief of the celestial kingdom? How would you respond to them? Right? They haven't been baptized by proper authority. What would you really say to them? What do you believe about it? And that is an extremely complicated answer, right? That's why we let the Lord be the perfect judge. But I think it's still wise to explore this idea, to explore the idea of, well, have we become proud and we think we're the only ones that are going to be saved because we were given the restored gospel (laughs) because it either fell into our laps as converts or because we were born into a family that already had the restored gospel. What do we really believe about this? And as we explore it, we can gain some perspective. We can be more prepared to talk to our other friends. And I think it will also change how we feel about ourselves. So another parallel, if we're going to continue down this path, John the Baptist says the Lord can take these stones and he can turn them into children of Israel. So you don't really need to be proud of that. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of ways that we can spin this for modern day application. But for this particular week, when I was reading this, what I heard very specifically was becoming a child of Abraham is easy. That's the easy part. The easy part is getting adopted into the house of Israel. That's simple, right? The plan of salvation is perfect. The Lord is perfect. And so he's going to make sure that everybody gets an adequate chance to accept baptism that has been done by the proper authority. Simple as that. It is being changed by your baptism. That's the hard part. (laughs) The baptism is not the hard part. It's being changed by your baptism. That's the hard part. So I want to give you two scenarios. First scenario, let's say two people die and they go to the spirit world. And the first person was baptized and they get to the other side and they kind of had always gone to church, but they sometimes lied to get ahead or they continued to be angry at a neighbor when they didn't need to. And the second person was never baptized into the restored gospel. They were not baptized by the proper authority, but they had lived their lives dedicated to their family and to other people. Who is going to have an easier time preparing for Judgment Day? (laughs) And I know that that's like a really silly, simplified, one-dimensional characters there. But we can still pull the principle out, right? It is so much easier to make sure the baptism is taken care of, to make sure that becoming, being adopted into the house of Israel happens. That is so much easier than the actual repentance part, right? And that's why John is saying, you think that you're good because you're a child of Abraham. No, you have to bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. And because we are children of Abraham, because we've been baptized, because we go to church and we have the scriptures right in front of us telling us exactly what we need to be doing. And we listen to the prophet and he's telling us exactly what we should be doing. We will be held more responsible because it was given to us. (laughs) And so are we doing it? Are we putting in the work it requires to repent, to change, to become more Christ-like, to step towards Christ? Are we putting in that emotional effort 
the physical effort sometimes? Are we sacrificing that time or have we become complacent because we're children of Abraham? Oh, we go to church every Sunday and I learn something new at church, right? Are we putting in the work that the Lord wants us to put in so that we can be happier here and we can be prepared to live with him in the next life? So just as a couple of things that we can consider, are we truly forgiving others who have wronged us? Are we constantly having an internal monologue with someone who's wronged us? And in our internal monologue, we're always winning the argument and they feel really, really bad because they wronged us and all this stuff. Or are we spending more time focusing on the Savior and the unspeakable pain that he suffered, the sacrifice that he made? Are we focusing more on that and what he gave us because of his atonement? Because he took care of all that. Are we actively working towards unity, right? I feel like the world is becoming more and more divided, even within the church, right? We are either turning other people into enemies or we're getting mad at them because we feel like they're turning us into enemies and into bad people saying, oh, you're a bad people, bad person because you believe this. When in actuality, if one of us would just put down our anger, (laughs) we could see that we are We really are all on the same team. We're all trying to make the world a better place. And in building that bridge, that's how we actually find happiness. Are we putting in effort at home to make our family happier? After an exhausting day, are we putting forth effort to love the people who need it the most? Our family. Are we giving the love to the people who are going to be most affected by it, which is our family. Are we putting our hearts into serving, whether it's your ministering calling or your calling at church or moving a family, taking a meal to someone who just had a baby, whatever it is, not only are we dedicating that time, but are we putting our heart into it? Are we praying for the chari- for charity for those that we serve? Are we asking the Lord what he wants us to accomplish with our lives? Are we praying for missionary opportunities? Are we trying to spend quality time, not quantity, quality time with the Savior? Now, I didn't give you all of those questions to beat yourself up (laughs) because heaven knows I'm not there yet. If you are looking at all of these things or if you've had a bunch of things running through your mind like, I can't do it. I'll never be able to accomplish it all. I'll never be able to repent enough. I'll never be able to be good enough. I want you to take a different kind of internal inventory where you're not looking at specific tasks, but rather you're looking at how much heart you have dedicated and how much heart you have sacrificed into the things you're already doing. Are you a stay-at-home mom changing diapers and making dinner all day, right? Are you recognizing how much you're blessing your home? Are you recognizing the eternal perspective as you're doing that? If you are a student off in college, are you really dedicating yourself to learning things, right? To really try to grasp concepts in your classes so that you can use those concepts to bless the lives of others, right? Rather than trying to make a list of all these tasks we're supposed to be doing, Instead, if we were to take the tasks we're already doing and make sure we're putting our hearts into them, 
we don't have to worry about it. All those tasks will be completed because living, when we dedicate our heart to the gospel, living the gospel becomes easy. We are children of Abraham. We have been adopted into the house of Israel because we were baptized. Are we also bringing forth fruits worthy of repentance like John the Baptist recommended? Are we putting our heart into things? Are we seeking a parent-child relationship with our Heavenly Father and with our Savior Jesus Christ? Because it will be that relationship. Excuse me. It will be that relationship that inspires you to live all of the other things that we should be doing with our lives, right? We don't need to beat ourselves up into doing those things. Loving our Savior, dedicating our heart to this cause, all the other tasks will naturally come. But we have to be consciously, internally, taking an inventory on whether we are putting our heart into this cause, putting our heart into the kingdom of God. I know that the Savior loves us. I know that he commands us to repent because he knows it'll make us happier because he knows that's where the peace is. That's where the joy is that we are seeking. He asks us to give more of ourselves not more of our time necessarily or more of our effort, but more of ourselves and our heart and our feelings. He knows that's where the peace is. And that's why he asks us to do those things. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.